This is It Just Takes One. One person, one experience, one idea, one moment to change your life. Here's what's coming up on today's show. Some people have asked me, oh, the name is Hashtag Blessed. Are you, is it a religious book? And I, you know, I have to explain, it, it, it is not a religious book. It is, it's just a faith and humanity book. I mean, it's literally just a story about, um, about love, uh, but the different phases of love, the different obstacles you go through in love, and, um, and really just being together and knowing that life is a blessing. Not unusual to hear people say, I am blessed, or I feel blessed, or everything in life is a blessing. That is all true. But I think it's one thing to say it and another thing to live it. My guest today is Matthew Maniscalco. Matthew is the recent best selling author of the book, Blessed as You Choose to Be. When you hear his story and read his book, I think you will agree with me that he is a great example of someone who says it and also lives it. Matthew has had an interesting journey in his life. He has had many, many, many achievements and accomplishments, and he's also had some terrible tragedies and some very difficult moments that he's had to overcome. Through it all, he found the blessing. And you'll hear me say at the beginning of our, of our interview that I actually think Matthew's story is a love story. You'll see why when he shares it. So I invite you to sit back and listen in as Matthew Maniscalco shares his story. Good morning, Matt. Welcome to It Just Takes One. Hey, good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you today? I'm wonderful. I'm wonderful. Thank you so much for having me today. Oh, I'm excited to have you. I'm excited to share your story. The first time that we spoke, you said to me, I've wanted to write a book for a while, and a lot of people tell me that I should write a book. Do you remember having that conversation? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's something that I've personally always dreamed of, but then on top of it, um, I just, I've had a very unique life. So people are always telling me to put it into words uh, and it turned into a heck of a story. It is a heck of a story. I've had the pleasure to be working with you as we've been editing and putting the book together. So I've had a chance to really get to know you through your story. And, you know, one of the things that I found as I read it and, and the thread that I think follows all the way from beginning to end of your book is that it's a love story. And I want to talk about that today, why I see it that way and, and kind of pull out some of the pieces that I think really show the love that you have had in your life and really why you named the book Blessed As You Choose To Be. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and honestly, hearing the perspective from the outside is even more amazing because um, I look at it as literally just storytelling of my life and to, to know that it translated, translates into a love story is pretty amazing. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the actual title, Blessed As You Choose To Be, because it does sort of lead us into this piece of, of the love story that I want to share. Explain to the listeners why you actually chose Blessed As You Choose To Be as your title. Sure. Uh <laughs> I, I genuinely feel like everything in life is a blessing. Uh, and we've all had our obstacles that we've overcome. Uh, but at the end of the day, um, just that next breath is always a blessing. And uh, my friends kind of make fun of me because on all of my family photos on Instagram, I always put hashtag blessed. And they're like, yes, we understand you're blessed. And I said, no, there's just so much more to it. Like it's, it's more than just some people have asked me, oh, the name is hashtag blessed. Are you, is it a religious book? And I, you know, I have to explain it, it, it is not a religious book. It is, it's just a faith and humanity book. I mean, it's literally just a story about, um, about love, uh, but the different phases of love, the different obstacles you go through in love and, um, and really just being together and knowing that life is a blessing and, and really knowing that the next decision you make 
um, is your choice. You know, whether it's in work or personal life or whatever, um, some people can look at things and think that it's an obstacle that they can't overcome or why is this happening to me? And it's very easy to look that way, but, um, but to just know that you woke up in the morning, you're blessed to be here and, um, and take it on, take it on with your team. Don't do it alone. Such a beautiful outlook on life. I actually love when you're talking about the faith in humanity blessed, you know, that's a, it's a really deep concept. And maybe today, as we're standing here in the beginning of 2022, it's important to keep shining the light on that idea, that idea that there is faith in humanity and that we really are blessed. It's a, it's a mindset and it's a choice as you're describing. And it's not an easy one, you know, it's not an easy choice you, however, were were brought up in a way that 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 was actually sort of the ideology of your family right from the get go. And I want to I want to dive right into that, sure. starting with a little conversation about the love story that became your mother and father. Yeah. yeah. So let's Pretty start cool. back there, because they're the ones who obviously implanted the idea that that you're blessed, that taught you a positive mindset, that gave you faith in humanity. So let's just talk about, we're going to talk about your dad in deeper detail in a little bit and your mom in deeper detail, but let's talk about the moment that they met and how they fell in love. And, and to do that, I want to actually share with the listeners a little bit of the story. So just, this is just the bit where your father actually meets your mother and they're, they're actually in the hospital, which we can talk about in a second, but, but this is what you wrote. Picture this, my grandmother, Helen lying in her hospital bed with her loving son, standing over her and holding her hand in walks my other grandmother, Gina, who decided to bring her daughter along for the visit. My father smiled at my mom. He was intrigued. Obviously, this was poor timing, but once again, there is this fate thing that can't be ignored. How had he never met this beautiful lady before? How could my mother have not introduced me to this dream woman, he thought? My father's head spun around quickly to his own mom. Who is that girl? I have to know her name. Gives me chills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, honestly, I think that story makes me have more appreciation for, for my own life and the way I met my wife. And obviously that's part of the book as well. But um, I, my dad told me that story probably 150 times throughout his life. Uh, and it was something he was so proud of because um, my mother, um, my mother's a saint. Like she literally does everything for everybody else. So he was just so proud that he was able to, um, that he found her, I guess, you know, it, he was used to much like myself, a different type of person. So when that, when that person comes along, that's so different, you kind of just are in awe and you, it seems too good to be true. And uh, yeah, my, my father loved my mother till his very last uh, breath. Such an amazing sort of love at first sight, like lightning strike kind of moment that happened and, and led to so much more for them. And obviously for you, your dad was a unique man. He he had a unique background. And, and when you're describing sort of, you know, the, the women he was used to and she was so different, um, let's talk a little bit about who your dad was and, and, the, and the kind of person he was up until this moment when he met your mom. Yeah, I mean, he was a nightclub owner, um, uh, Brooklyn, um, grew up on the streets of Brooklyn. I kind of talk about the different worlds of my, my two sets of grandparents because my mom's parents came to this country from Italy, from Sicily, and, um, and they worked hard. They did everything they could for, for their American dream, like we talked about, but it was almost more of like a straight and narrow uh, baker, whereas my father's family was more of the, the hardcore streets, I guess you could say, of Brooklyn. Um, and... Um, my father grew up in that lifestyle, you know, in, in bars and clubs. And, and um, he saw that most of the people that he grew up with wound up in prison or dead. And he said, I just, I don't want that, that lifestyle for my, for my future son. And it's so interesting. I think sometimes, you know, 
you, you're, you're brought up in the environment that you're brought up in and you just, you know, fall into whatever that pattern is. And then suddenly you, you get a chance to see something different in this case, you know, connecting with your mom and her family and the way they were brought up. And it just turns you on a completely different path, which is really what happened with your dad. Um, he, he, you ended up, they ended up married and, and he ended up making some changes. You want to describe some of that? Yeah, for sure. So um, they, yeah, they met and uh, it was love at first sight. Uh, six months later, they were married. Um, so literally six months later, they were married. And it's, it's a pretty amazing thing because um, these days, uh, all you hear is the negativity. So um, seeing the positive side of love is a, is a pretty cool thing. And um, they were married for uh, 33 years before he passed away. Um, and uh, 33 years after knowing each other for six months, that's how, you know, nobody's perfect, but, uh, but that's how strong that love was. So that kind of taught me that anything is possible. And it also taught me that uh, true love is real. First, love at first sight can be real. Uh, and, um, and I experienced that later on in my life as well. Exactly. We're going to get to that. So uh, they fell in love. They got married. They, they started, you know, wanting to build a family and another kind of tongue in cheek, funny story that you share in the story in the book is about, they were trying to have children. It wasn't working. So they were seeing some specialists and uh, one of the specialists had some unique advice for them. <laughs> share a little bit about that. Yeah, uh, take your mind off having a baby and buy a dog. And that's, <laughs> it, like I said, in the book, it sounded kind of like, really? Like, that's kind of heartless. You're telling them they have no hope. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, miracles happen. And so whether it was a miracle or, or a simple mind game, uh, it worked. So here I am 38 years later. <laughs> Easier than any pill. Get a dog <laughs> and everything will work. It, amazing. Amazing. And, and I, and I loved how you wrote in the book that, you know, at first you think, well, that seems like kind of harsh advice. And at the same time, when you see what happened and how it worked out, you realize, well, maybe this guy had, had an idea here. Yeah. Yeah. And every, like every, like I said before, everything happens for a reason. And I feel like every little piece of this story is connected to the next and without each chapter, that next chapter wouldn't have happened. And that's just, that's, I guess that's the way life works. But when you put it into writing, it really feels real. I mean, it feels like exactly what I thought it was going to be when I said, hashtag blessed as you choose to be. That's actually, I want to take a second and, and talk about that because some of the listeners here are, are people that are interested in writing books and have, you know, maybe a thought about it or have a great story or, you know, an interesting life. Um, so you just described that, that you, these are stories that, you know, are just kind of told and passed down through your, your family. But once you had the process of writing them, it, did it change the way that you were looking at these stories? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, there were times that I were, I was writing certain chapters and it brings an extra appreciation to that situation maybe for, uh, for you individually. So specifically, I can tell you when I wrote the chapter about meeting my wife, I went home that night and I said, you know what? I love you. And she said, cool. I love you too. And I said, well, I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes we just kind of take each other for granted. Like, you know, we, I just relived meeting you. And I remembered the thoughts in my head of, wow, if I could just talk to her, wow, if this, that, and I'm like, here I am literally get, getting to wake up next to you every day. Um, and it's a true blessing. So sometimes we take our life for granted. And all we want to point out is the negatives. And um, I'm going to try to be better at that in life. And, and to be honest with you, writing the book also um, with you guys, uh, you're saying other people are, are thinking about possibly putting their story in there. You guys have made this so easy, so rewarding um, that I honestly didn't think it was possible. Like when, when you write all this stuff down, you kind of say, eh, well, if I'm putting a story onto paper, if my great grandkids one day read this and my, my kids pass it down to the next generation. Um, that's good enough. Like, I just want to be able to tell my story to pass down my stories. And then it turns into a book and you're like, wow, people are actually interested in this stuff. And, and now I'm hearing it from, from everybody. Once I've posted it, you know, where can we buy it? Can I get an autographed copy? This and that it's, it's, it's 
surreal. Um, but, uh, but I thank you for that. No, you're so welcome. And it's exactly why we do it. It's our pleasure. And, and, and the reason that we're even in business is to do exactly what you described, to make it as easy as possible for you and to make it a, a really enjoyable process instead of something that's like pulling teeth. No, it really has been. No, good. I'm, I'm so glad to hear that. And so, so you sort of had this epiphany in the writing that all of these things sort of built on each other and, and that there is this, this recognition that, that everything in life contributes to the next. And, and there's, there's a lot more that came because of these things building on each other. So, so you were born miracle of miracles and you're here, thank goodness. Uh, and, 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 and the next part of the love story, honestly, Matt, is, is the love story of you and your parents. The, the way that you write and even the way you're speaking about your parents is so heartwarming. There is a really beautiful relationship that you have with your parents. How do you describe that for, for somebody who maybe doesn't have that kind of relationship? How, how do you describe that to them? Um, I guess never feeling alone. Um, I think as a kid, Yes, uh, you know, you're going to read about a lot of the obstacles that that I've had to overcome, but I was never alone doing it. Even when um, tragedy struck, my mother was still by my side. And um, I don't know, I just grew up in this family of, you know, I have this big Italian family in New York, and I love visiting them more than any other vacation I could ever go on. Um, But I grew up here in Florida, so I only had my mom and dad. Um, I didn't necessarily grow up in that big family. I love visiting them, but, but my mom and dad were my structure. Um, and my dad was, was somebody who told me on a, not daily basis, but I heard it all the time. Uh, God forbid something happens to me. You always have to take care of your mother. Um, and I'm telling you from, from that very moment, the first time he said that to me, it's still in my brain uh, a week before I turned 38 years old. And I, I will, uh, make sure that my mom is happy till her very last breath. And I hope that's a hundred years from now, but I just, um, I will always honor that promise that I made to him. And, um, and it's not really like something that I have to try hard to do because she's an awesome person. So it, it, we were just built on love in the house and, and we weren't perfect. You know, there, there were arguments, there were this, that just like any other family, but when it all settles down, you have to realize that, you're just as blessed as you choose to be. Absolutely. I, I, I really like how you describe that as it's about not being alone, not ever being yeah. on your own. You're, you're, you're always connected and you always have these people that are going to have your back no matter what. Yeah. And I mean, I think I elaborate more on the story of that feeling as well, because even after I'm no longer living with my parents and, and I go through those stages, um, being able to go home and vent to my wife about life. That's, that's still not being alone. Um, I talk about the team that I've built at my agency. Um, it's, it's important for me to not feel alone here because sometimes small business can feel lonely. Um, but if you have a team that supports you, it's the same thing. So I've always tried to build um, kind of a, a team around me, no matter what industry or, or world I'm tackling. Yeah, more of the love story, <laughs> spreading the love even to the people that you're working with. Um, the love. I, I, but one of the things about your story and what you're saying is that love doesn't mean happy endings. Love doesn't mean everything's rosy and perfect all the time. Love is deeper than that. And, and in your case, love extends beyond life because tragedy did happen. Yeah. Talk about what happened with your father. Sure. Um, so I, I talk about the fact that, uh, I was 21 years old. I was uh, away at college, not a problem in the world. Um, you know, at 21, you think your biggest problem is, uh, you know, where you're going to go out drinking that night or, you know, what your midterm exam is going to look like. Um, they're, they're problems, they're real problems, but realistically, they're not life altering problems. Um, and so I was living that life. I was loving every minute of it. I was a a 21-year-old college student who came home for the weekend on President's Day weekend, just like any other college kid, uh, came home and 
uh, hung out with my parents for a little bit, went out with all my friends that night. Um, it was actually a Sunday evening because Monday was a holiday and we were off from school. Uh, went out with my friends, came home. My parents always waited up for me, even at 21 years old, two o'clock in the morning, they, they knew I'd be coming in. Um, so they were waiting up for me, said goodnight to me. Um, we always, uh, we always said goodnight to each other. That's something my dad always instilled in me was never go to bed angry. And I, I've instilled that in my, my children as well. And luckily my wife believes in that as well. Um, so, so as annoying as I can be, sometimes we never go to bed angry. Um, but where I'm going with that is, uh, we kissed goodnight and, um, I woke up at seven o'clock in the morning to my mom just screaming, help, help, Matthew, help. And uh, I ran in there and, um, and I saw my dad grasping for air and my whole life stopped at that moment. And it was kind of like, I, I, you just want it to be a nightmare. You want it to be a dream you're waking up from, especially when you wake up to it. Um, but I, 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 gave him uh, CPR um, and I was not successful and he, he died in my arms. And I, I literally laid there with my arms wrapped around him that I will remember the feel, the, the, the smell, the look, the every emotion from that moment, um, my arms wrapped around his, his body um, till, uh, till the ambulance came. And um, my mom actually had me taken out of the house so that I didn't see him being taken away. It was the most horrifying, most, um, the worst nightmare a person could, could go through. Um, and so, but it also gave me no choice, but to mature at that point. Um, at that point, my mom needed me. Um, I needed my mom and, uh, and we were in this together. Like, you know, we keep going back to, but yeah, I mean, um, and putting it into words almost felt like, you know, you're never going to release it, but almost like, wow, like it feels good to talk about it. And I don't know why, um, but it feels good to be able to, to tell somebody how you're feeling sometimes. Um, this is completely off topic, but one of the things I talk about in my book is con continuously talking about you're blessed as you choose to be. But, you know, people on the outside um, only see the happiness and, you know, you go on Instagram and all you're seeing is smiles and, and Mercedes and, you know, Starbucks and blah, blah, blah. Everybody is, is rich and happy on, on social media. Um, and that's not life. I mean, you know, there's, there's been many times where I have cried. There's been many times where I've felt lost. There's been many times where I felt like I could not overcome that obstacle, but I had to fight through it. And, I think, I think I'm, I was lucky enough to have my parents instill that in me at a young age. So, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was very, very hard, but, but, um, that's, that's what happened. I think the suddenness of a loss that is so profound, you know, as such an important person in your life, such a, a, a deep relationship, um, is, is, in some ways, the, the shock and the suddenness of it is what makes it the hardest. And, you know, a lot of what your book is about is, is how you overcome, how you get through, as you're describing, you know, that life isn't always perfect, but, but, but it's, it's about getting back up. It's about moving through it and getting through it. So how did you get through that? How did you overcome such a sudden and, and such a sad, sad moment of your life. Um, family and friends, family, friends, and faith. Uh, you know, it's, it's really the, the combination of it all. Uh, my, my family in New York was extremely supportive. I have two best friends, or I have, I have a few best friends, but two that were living in Jacksonville at the time. Uh, when I called them that morning, I may, may have even texted them, um, they were down here within an hour and a half and it only takes an hour and a half to get here. Uh, so having your best friends in your life to, even if it's literally just silence and crying in each other's arms, um, it's, it doesn't make it easy, but it almost makes it acceptable. Um, and I talk about, I talk about how after all of the, 
the funeral arrangements and after all of the services and everything are over, my mom and I come home to this empty house. And whereas my life, my dad was the life of the, the house. He was the jokester. He was the, and he was loud. He was a loud Italian from Brooklyn and I loved every minute of it, uh, but he was, it wasn't there anymore. So I think that was the most, the second most painful part of the entire experience really, because it was, it was silence. And my mom and I knew that that house would never be the same. Um, and I think that was, that was the most heartbreaking part of, of that situation was we'll never have what we've had for the last 21 years. And um, it didn't seem fair, uh, but um, there, like any other situation in life, um, you have to fight through it. And, um, and I don't feel like anybody can do that alone. I think you need people in your life. So whether it be a friend, a mentor, a family member, or a coworker, whatever it is, um, you can't fight it alone. You know, sometimes the, the smiles on the outside are, are the tragedies on the inside. Absolutely. And I would say that another part of your love story is the love that you have with your friends. You have some really good friends you're describing there, like in the, the hardest moment of your life, they were right there. Uh, but those have been your friends from, from very, very young, even till now. How do you how do you foster those friendships just, you know, as another part of the love that you share in your life? So I have I have been blessed with so many friendships um, and I don't want to say so many with with a few great, great friendships and, and a lot of acquaintances. But um, my my friends are amazing individuals. Um, but so I have two individuals that I grew up with. Um, we're brother and sister that were just they're still like my brother and sister. Um, and, and you'll hear a lot about them in the story, but, but then I have three other best friends that we met in sixth grade, literally met in photography class in sixth grade. Um, none of us were cool. We pretty much only had each other. Uh, and we went through life in these obstacles together. You know, I talk about the fact that I was a, a overweight little Italian boy, um, that, that, was full of carbs. And that's, those are the people who accepted me. Uh, so those two best friends that I took on in sixth grade, um, are still best friends of mine. Um, one of which is, is driving down two hours to come fix our refrigerator this weekend, because that's the type of friends that, that you keep in life. And, um, you know, we, we were in each other's weddings or I'm going to be in one of them's wedding next month. Uh, it's just, it's family. Uh, you know, and we, we, but we've been really, really lucky too that all of our wives get along uh, or fiancés um, because um, now we get to have like family kind of get togethers. We kind of joke about the movie Grown Ups and how we need to rent a cabin and literally just go bring our kids out there and, and talk about our life because um, we've had, we've had a lot of challenges, but we've had a lot of happy times. Um, you know, I talk about how I moved up to Jacksonville for a little bit with, with those two best friends. It wasn't, it was probably harder for them than it was to, for me because I was an emotional train wreck at that point in my life. So uh, these best friends stuck with me and, you know, they, they supported me through everything that I was actually being challenged with in life. Uh, you know, one of them just, uh, I went to New York a couple months ago to see our idol together at Derek Jeter's Hall of Fame induction. Um, and we grew up going to spring training together. So the same kid that I sat next to at 12 years old at a spring training game, looking at our idol, we got to look at him being inducted into the hall of fame in our mid thirties. Um, relationships are so important in life. Uh, it really, really is. And I, I wouldn't be who I am today without, without those individuals. Amazing. Um, and again, going to that whole idea of, you know, not, not going through life alone, you know, being, being surrounded by people that really, truly care and love you is, is incredible, but you have to pour into that, that you don't take that um, just for granted. That is something that you have to, you have to foster and you have to feed to keep those kinds of relationships. But ultimately your father did pass away. Your friends were there. Your mother was there. But at some point, it did become more silent. And I'm not going to go through the whole story because people can buy the book. There were some deep and dark moments in there um, as you and your mom figured out life without your father. 
Let's fast forward through some of those difficult times to a moment that was a shining light and sort of adds a new twist to your story, which is what happened on Mother's Day. Yeah. yeah. Share with the uh, listeners what you did uniquely for your mother on Mother's Day. Sure. Well, um, I can I can say I'm an author now, so I always enjoyed writing. Um, and the first time that I was ever really stood out for my writing was that Mother's Day in 2005 when I took a chance and I wrote an essay to Dr. Phil. Um, yes, the TV Dr. Phil. Um, and um, I, I really just told the story, told the story about my parents and the love and um, how blessed I had been, but also told the story about what my mom was dealing with. And, um, you know, she was working two jobs to put me through school. She was, she never blinked an eye. She never complained. She never, she, there, I, I cannot remember my mother telling me one time, I don't want to go to work today, or I don't want to wake up, or I don't like, it was always, she had to do what she had to do. And um, so I wrote all that, put it into paper and I won my mother, mother of the year on Dr. Phil um, in 2005. The producers called me, I'll never forget. Uh, I was at the beach at the time uh, and I got a call from the producers of Dr. Phil. I answered and I literally thought they were pranking me. And they, uh, they said, we're gonna fly you and your mother out here to LA. We wanna film, um, have you on the show. They did not tell us that we won the actual grand prize of mother of the year. At that point, we only thought we were going out there for, uh, we, were, we had won the essay contest. They were going to be on the show. We didn't know what the grand prize was. Well, with about 15 minutes left to the show, Dr. Phil and his wife are on stage and they call me and my mom up and uh, my mom's already in tears. And, and we've got, you know, the voice of the teleprompter coming in um, with our video and pictures coming in. And we walk to the stage and Dr. Phil says, uh, well, we heard that uh, you had to sell your family vehicle to pay the bills. And my mom's just nodding her head yes with tears in her eyes and he said and literally the entire tone of the entire studio just changes and he goes well mercedes heard your story and they stepped up in a big way and then balloons fall and and we're just like holy moly like i mean it's amazing they bring us back to the back and i mean it's surreal uh, there was a brand new mercedes ml350 um, that my mother got to take home. And so for that very moment, we got to step away from the real world. We got to step away from the problems, the disaster, the tragedy that we'd faced. And I got to show my mom some appreciation. Um, for the first time, besides the personal, you know, I love you and thank you. Um, this was like a national, I love you, thank you. Uh, and it was, it was a great, it was an amazing feeling. When I read the story, uh, as you wrote it, I kept trying to put myself in your mother's shoes and trying to think if my son or daughters surprised me in that way, you know, sent something in. And, and I was thinking, number one, I would be so proud of them for writing something that was accepted and, and even got to a final, right? But then to think about a moment when I would be on stage and, or, you know, be in the audience and, and called up onto the stage to find out that I won, almost kind of takes your breath away. How, what was your mother's response to that? Um, it was kind of silence. Um, she, so on the clip, it's hilarious because I've probably seen it 500 times. She literally just keeps saying, thank you. She just, she's just crying, saying, thank you. And and then she's just, she, I remember her having a handful of tissues in her hand because Robin, Dr. Phil's wife handed it to her, handful of tissues. She's sitting in the driver's seat as they're celebrating her. And she's just like, thank you so much. Thank you. I love it. So it was almost just a, a, a moment that was bigger than us. Um, and uh, it was kind of that moment of awe and silence. And, um, and it was, it was something that we will remember for the rest of our lives. And um, it was it was amazing. It was amazing to see her spotlighted like she deserved for a, a long time coming. Yeah, I got the sense just from reading uh, that you I mean, your dad was in the spotlight. Your dad was the bigger than life guy. He was the loud Italian. You know, he was the one. And, and your mom wasn't 
she didn't need the spotlight in the same way. And so having this moment where it was all about her, um, I'm sure was extremely overwhelming. Oh yeah. She, uh, like, she's literally, we're sitting in the audience. She literally pinches my leg whenever Dr. Phil said, or Josephine and Matthew in the audience. And she goes, what the hell did you do? (laughs) And I said, just trust me, walk up there. And so, um, you know, of course, yeah, you're right. She, she's not a spotlight person. Um, she, she is a do what you got to do for your family person. And, uh, but you know what? I'm a spotlight person. I, I wanted that spotlight on her. Yeah. You shined it her way. And, um, I, I imagine that it's one of those stories that now she shares, you know, we, oh, yeah. it's not about her. She makes it about you. Like, guess what my son did? You know, my son did this. Um, but I can imagine just how proud she is of that moment. Well, thank you very much. It was, it was honestly one of the most prideful things I've done in my life. Um, and, and not because of the TV recognition, it was because of the smile on my mom's face. And that's just the genuine truth behind it. Yeah, just that moment of her uh, recognizing. Yeah, yeah really, sure. really cool. So obviously another part of the love story, just that love, that really deep, beautiful relationship you have with your mother. Before we finish, however, many, many more twists and turns that happen after that moment, but but we have to finish with, with maybe the, the biggest love story, which is, and we've danced around it a little bit, but the love story of you and your wife and, and your family now. So let's talk a little bit about, um, you, you mentioned it briefly earlier, but share again about the moment that you actually met your wife. Well, she wasn't your wife at that time. Um, but she didn't even want to talk to me at that time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so um, another wonderful uh, story of, of my life, but uh, I was working for the radio stations out in Daytona Beach, and um, it was an amazing life for a single 20-something-year-old. Um, the marketing side of it, the events, I loved every minute of it. Uh, but this specific event was kind of our big event of the year that I put together, and it was my turn to to kind of have it be my baby. And so I put together this big um, birthday station, birthday state, or sorry, radio station birthday party. And um, I come from a small little town outside of Daytona. Well, my entire town was there because we all support each other. That's just always the way it's been here. The land's an amazing community. Um, and I'm learning that now more than ever, but, uh, but anyway, so the whole, all of my friends I grew up with, all there support me. Um, well, one specific person happened to be there was, was my wife, Christy, um, not because I invited her, but because her friends, uh, also invited her. Um, but I remember seeing her for the first time and just, and just being in awe. And honestly, at that point, probably much like my father's first, first sight, um, it was, it was just, that's a beautiful woman. Like, you know, she's, she's a beautiful woman. She's, she's respectable. She's like, those type of things came up across very clearly. Let me share what you wrote about that as you're saying that. So, you, so the listeners can hear how you described it when you actually sat down and wrote it. You said, this was the day that all changed through some mutual friends. I was introduced to this stunning brunette named Christy. Her skin was perfect. Her smile was breathtaking. And my God, she was beautiful. All of my friends who hadn't met her prior were obnoxiously hitting on her with zero results. While I was busy with the event throughout the day, I hadn't really had a chance to get to know her, although I did quite enjoy the fact that my friend's efforts at hitting on her were unsuccessful. (laughs) She didn't give them the time of day. It was wonderful. I remember walking with her and just thinking to myself, this woman is one of a kind. I have to talk to her. That's exactly what I had heard my dad say about my mom. Man, you're going to get me crying on here. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's, that's the truth. Uh, it, was, it was one of those things. And, and to be honest with you, I had to pursue her a little bit. And you'll, you'll hear about that in the book as well. But um, she had no interest in me at first. She had no interest in dating. She was, she, was, she was a step above me. I had a professional career, but I had a professional career that involved going out and, and partying. So like, it was, it was a different world. She was managing a doctor's office and I was going to bed when she was leaving for work in the morning. We had two different lifestyles, but that was honestly, it all goes back to the fact that it worked for my parents. Why couldn't it work for me? So that's kind of why I didn't give up on her. 
Um, and she told me, she said, I'm gonna be honest with you now, now that we are who we are, um, uh, I don't want anything to do with you. When I met you, I, I kind of knew who you were. And I, I, and I said, really though, I'm like the nicest guy ever. And she said, well, now I know that, but that's not what I thought before. And I said, man, so, um, yeah, I, it's one of those things where you, um, you don't feel like you could ever possibly, uh, achieve something. And then unless you try and uh, she's, she's one of those achievements that's just been an amazing partnership, friendship. Um, and, and my successes today are, are genuinely um, significantly due to, to her acceptance of, of all of my quirks and all of my, my clubs I belong to and this and that. She's just, she's an amazing partner. Yeah, yeah. such a great and mom. She's an amazing her. mom. And let's get into the part that she is a mom. You guys ended up having, you have two children. Um, yes, and, yes, and yes. I'm curious because your parents passed down a really strong set of values to you. What are you and Christy instilling in your own children, sort of passing down that legacy? Well, I can tell you, I spew out all of the, the love, love, love that I grew up in. Um, so um, in fact, my, my daughter, who's kind of like, she's a little harder than me. She's, she's, uh, she's tough. She tells me all the time. Yes. I know you love me. You told me that already. Uh, so she tells me it back, but value wise, we are instilling, um, all of those values that I believe in, but I can tell you that I'm the softy and Christy is the, um, the tough one. So, um, I get a smile from my kids and I melt and pretty much whatever they want is in front of them at that moment. Um, and I know that's not right and I'm trying to be better at it, but, um, you know, I absolutely love being a father. My kids are my world. Um, and I'm so thankful that, that I get to go home to them every day. My, my son, Dominic is seven. He is the most intelligent little seven-year-old I've ever met in my entire life. Um, it's actually scary. Uh, and then my daughter who is five, Juliana is, um, most beautiful little, just spitfire. And, um, and according to my wife's or to my mother-in-law, um, my wife was exactly like her. So, um, she's getting what she deserves. Uh, but, but that's what, that's what I'm and, hearing. And Juliana will grow up to be just fine. <laughs> yeah. 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 We'll all be okay. But, but man, being, being a dad is the coolest thing in the world. And, um, those kids just, they make everything okay. Like literally everything. Okay. Beautiful. It's beautiful. It's one funny thing. You know, I have son and, and two daughters and I always remember thinking when they were young, that especially with those girls that had that, they had that little spark in them that you, you don't want to groom that out of them, you know, cause society likes to, to smooth out the girls and, you know, tell them what's, the, the right way yeah. to behave and all of that. But, but that spark is something that you want to keep in them. And so the challenge as a parent is to allow your kids to be who they are and not, not push out some of those beautiful characteristics just because they're challenging. No, for sure. And to be honest with you, I'm already seeing strengths in my weaknesses from my daughter. Like she, she'll come in my office and try to fire people at five years old. <laughs> so, whereas I can't even have a conversation about it. So, I mean, she's just, uh, she, she is, she's special and, and same with Dominic and, and God bless Christy for, for giving me the opportunity to, to start a family and, uh, and raise those kids with her. Absolutely. I do want to just say, because you mentioned the office and you're, you're sitting in there now for anybody watching this, uh, the video, just to let people know that you are, uh, the president of the page insurance group. And you want, we talked a little bit about the love of your coworkers as well. Um, share a little bit about what you're doing now in your life. For sure. Yeah. And, and that's another thing I talk about really just leaving the corporate world, um, I, I had a very successful career in the corporate world and banking. Um, and as, as banking was changing and the higher I got up, the more miserable I was and I'm not a miserable person. So I was kind of out of my element. I was confused as to why I was unhappy with my day to day. And it really was the anxiety of, um, I don't want to say being forced into doing stuff you don't want to do, but real, cause I made that choice and it goes back to what I say, but but I had made this choice thinking I was going to be 
our small time banker that was able to service our community and be that friendly banker. Um, but realistically, I, I was, I, I, I think I, I'm not sure if I say it in the book or not, but I feel like I was an overpaid Walmart greeter because I literally could not do anything but tell them where the line was. And it was not fair. It was not happy. Um, I still have anxiety today dealing with clients sometimes because of being yelled at for things that I couldn't control. And that, that was my life in the corporate world. And so I had the opportunity to come here uh, to Page. Um, December 1st was five years. I've actually been the president and owner for a year and a half now. And I brought in people that had strengths in my weaknesses. And that has made us successful. We've grown our agency um, to a degree that we've never thought was possible, um, or maybe we never imagined it, but, um, but we did it. And I brought in some really strong uh, key components to this agency. Um, but yeah, we're, we're an insurance agency doing all lines of insurance and, uh, and some retirement planning. And um, we, we're a big family. We are a big family. We just uh, brought on two, mo two more people first of the year and uh, we're growing, we're loving life and we're helping others. Um, you know, one of the challenges that, that I talk about in my book is not really having the proper education on how to plan. And I think that that's something that means the most to me about my career now is being able to help people plan uh, for some of the challenges they're going to face in life, because nobody wants to talk about those things, but, um, but it's, it's raw, it's real. And, um, the bad things do happen and we want to avoid it, but you've got to prepare for it. So that's what I'm doing now. Yeah. And kind of an interesting way to be using the experiences that you had, right. The, the bad that you went through the challenges that came because of that and everything you learned, now you're able to pass that along and share it with others. For sure. And, and I've never been that, you know, I've always been in sales, but I've never been that salesman. I, I, I want to be able to tell you my story and relate it, but I don't want you to feel like that's what I'm pointing you towards because that was my story. I think everybody has their own story and being able to share mine with, with my uh, clients gives them a perspective of, you know, he's real, he understands. Um, and that's what I really want to show people. I want to show people that we we're real. We have real problems. The world is not perfect, but you know what? And I feel like I really need to stop saying this to everybody, but you're as blessed as you choose to be. So perfect way to end. Let me finish actually on that thought because Matt, you really are blessed because you believe it and because you practice it and because you live it. And I think as you share your story in the book and with, with people that are listening, you're sort of, you're, you're like the, the rock in the pond spreading a ripple. And so I hope that the listeners are, are feeling the love that you give and understand their blessing as well. I'll finish by just sharing uh, the last little bit of your book where you say, some people believe being blessed means you have to be spiritual or religious. Some believe it means you were born with money, talent, athletic ability, or even good looks. I've come to the realization that being blessed to me is simply being, simply existing. We are blessed to wake up each morning. We are blessed to kiss our love, loved ones goodnight. And we are blessed to go to work each day. With all of the negativity on social media and the news, I often try to remind myself and others for that matter, that being blessed can come in many forms. It can be a way of life. It can be a mindset, but it must be consistent. I keep coming back to one mindset that led me here. Sometimes you are truly as blessed as you choose to be. Whew. I, I like hearing it read to me. I've, I've said it so many times in my head, hearing somebody else say it, say it just sounds awesome. Um, that's, that's just the truth. That's just the truth. If, if you think negatively, you're going to feel negative. Um, you're going to surround yourself with negativity. But if you feel positive and you're nice to people and you smile to people and you bring happiness, um, people are going to want to be around you. People are going to want to be happy around you. People are going to want to experience that happiness with you. Um, and that's, that's kind of what I've learned and, and what I've experienced. And um, I'm pretty lucky for it. 
Matt, it's been a pleasure working with you. If listeners are interested in purchasing your book, it will be available on Amazon. If they're interested in following you, how can they find you? Absolutely. They can find us, uh, our page insurance agency on Facebook. Uh, you can also find me, Matthew Maniscalco, on Facebook as well. Um, and you can also find us at uh, www.pageinsuranceagency.com or www.delandretirement.com. Uh, and we'll always be here for you, whether you just need somebody to talk to or you need an insurance policy. Thank you so much, Matt. Best of luck as you go forward. And thank you so much for sharing your story. Don't you agree with me that Matthew's story is a love story? I think you can just not only hear the love that he has in his life, but feel the love that he gives in his life. The type of love that his parents had and passed down to him and that he has with his wife and continues to pass down to their children and the love that he shares with his community, including all of us who are listening and reading his book. Being blessed is not about everything being perfect. And he shares some of the tragedies that he's experienced in his life. There are many more in his book, things that he's had to overcome and obstacles that he's had to get over. Blessing is about finding the good in it anyway. And that isn't something that just happens. That is a mindset that takes practice. As he describes, it's a mindset that is a choice. We are blessed as we choose to be. I hope that all of you take that as a great lesson from this story and from Matt as we come to an end of this episode. Thank you, as always, for joining me on It Just Takes One. And if you or anyone that you know is interested in writing their story and sharing it in a book, please reach out to us. You can find us at scripturepublishinggroup.com. We're here to help you write, edit, and get that book into your hand and out into the world as soon as possible. After all, it just takes one story to make a difference. Thanks for joining me today, and we will see you on the next episode of It Just Takes One.